Welcome to episode 379 of the Recruitment Marketing and Sales Podcast. And I'm your host, Denise Oyston. And we are continuing our guest series throughout the month of April. And we have uh, somebody very special today. We have Katie Green from Centered Excellence. And I am sure many of you will know Katie. Katie works with Nikki Coffin at Centered Excellence. And they work together to support recruitment business owners across the globe, actually develop the companies, build teams, and uh, make more money while working less. Who doesn't want that? Um, If you don't know Katie's background, she started a career as a consultant, uh, then went up through the ranks and became MD of Aspire Digital Recruitment before the coaching bug got her and Nikki Coffin persuaded her to go and work with her at uh, Centred Excellence. So Sharon is doing this interview again. Katie dropped some absolute gold during this podcast. So please make sure that you take the time to listen and maybe make some notes, provided you're not in the car. And I think you will find this incredibly useful as you move forward this year. So this is Denise saying bye for now, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Welcome to the Recruitment Marketing and Sales Podcast, an obsessive focus on marketing and sales is the only way to accelerate your company growth. So listen in now as we share the latest strategies and techniques guaranteed to deliver you more placements and profits. Katie, welcome to the Recruitment Marketing Sales Podcast, and it's great to have you back for a return visit. Oh, thank you, Sharon. Lovely to be here. Now, I know we are talking about recruitment companies who are, you know, keen to to grow and scale. And, and when they're in that frame of mind, we both know that there are multiple challenges that they can face, you know, from building their teams that are going to fuel that growth to having all the right systems in place, to having the marketing that will create the demand for those people to convert in order to generate that revenue and working in the business, working working on the business. I mean, there's just loads that we could talk about today, isn't there? But I thought if we could focus our chat around, you know, that building high-performing teams, because that is critical if you're going to have the right team that can convert the demand that your marketing generates that can then fuel that, that growth. So, but before we dive in and I ask you lots of questions to get some real pearls of wisdom from you, maybe you could share for some of our listeners who will will be new and regular listeners, but about your background and um, and what led you to be you know working with Nikki and partnering there at Centered yeah. Excellence. Yeah, of course. So, right, my background. Well, um, I'm going to say it's quite colourful. So, I, I'm probably like uh, you know a lot of people. I've spent yeah probably a little bit older. So, I spent many years um, in the working environment, and I actually started in recruitment back in the 1999 or was it 2000? No, it was 2000. So, I've got 23 years of working in recruitment. I started and like many people worked my way up and it got to the point where I was running a business in London. It was part of a digital recruitment business, PFJ and Aspire. And I was MD of that London office. So to give people context in that 65 fee earners, 
yeah, multiple divisions, 10 million turnover, 10 perm contract outsourced. So yeah. quite a lot of experience there. And that was my background. And then I got to know Nikki because I, at one point, was actually a client of hers. So right. we worked together in that way. She was my coach. And mm-hmm. then I decided that I wanted to support other recruitment business owners, smaller recruitment business owners, and help them to scale in, in the same way and to yeah. learn through, if you like, yeah, learn th- through my mistakes for them to be able to grow their business. So, so that's really yeah. how it was. And seven years on, I've been um, partnered with Nikki and wow. um, Centred Excellence. So, yeah. Time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> so, yeah. So talking about um, building high-performing teams, and you know, you've got such a wealth of experience, you know, in that that you brought from Aspire, and that obviously, you know, supporting you know business owners today. For those who are listening, who are, you know, they made that decision that this is kind of like where they want to go. They really, they really want to grow their business, or in the early stages of that. What are some real foundational starting points? Let's say for putting the right things in place to build really successful, high-performing individuals and teams. Yeah. Yeah, great. So I think the first thing to say is that every team is different and there are certain characteristics of a high-performing team and also mm-hmm. how to grow that high-performing team, as you were saying. So first thing is, if you think of a high-performing team, that's a team that work very collaboratively together. And one of the things that our clients are often come to us for, looking for, one of the things that isn't necessarily as successful in their business as they'd like it to be, is that consistency of cash flow. So a lot of clients will be having yo-yo months. And so one of the things that they want is we want that consistency of revenue to generate the profit that we want. So to generate that profit and to generate that consistency, it starts with the people that are within that organization. Yeah. Um, and that really ties into, so to, to create that high-performing team, there are certain things that you have to have in place so that people know what high-performance is in your organization, but also you can drive that motivation and success through those people. Mm. And the first thing is you've got to have an intention. So what's your purpose as a business? Mm. And what is that purpose? And does that purpose move your people to taking action outside of their comfort zone? So if you want to create an extraordinary business, you need to create an extraordinary culture. And that Mm. starts with your vision, your mission as a, as a business, and then that cascades into your values and the principles that are key to your culture. Mm. So, because you want to create that sort of one team mentality, that's really what it's about. And not that long ago, I was very lucky actually to meet the one of the Olympic gold medal women's hockey winners players. All right, yeah, and. Yeah, and she actually, her name's Beth, and she actually talked us through what it was that made that team a high-performance team. What moved them from being bronze back in, I think it was 2012, to actually winning the gold in 2021. And that was the one team mentality that made the difference for them. It was getting everybody on the same, you know, on the same ship or on the same boat. 
and making yeah. sure that everyone shared that goal, that vision, and shared those values. Yeah. And so and it's yes. interesting, is it? Because it is a fundamental piece to, you know, creating that culture. And and for some it's not the easiest thing to get to get your head around. But once you do to get right. Mm. Boy, it can really make a difference, can't it? You know, I think that's kind of like what, what we see. And so mm. I know if I think back to my, you know, my own corporate days, and I was talking to someone about this yesterday, that, you know, I, I, can, I can see as mm. I walked into reception of, you know, several pharmaceutical companies, head offices, that there'd be that big picture on the wall in a stunning frame of, you know, the vision, the mission and the values. And that was That's almost right. it. And I, I am going back quite a few years, you know. And so it's all right doing that exercise, but then how do, how does, you know, how do leaders, you know, in those businesses, how do they bring that to life and, and, and generate it so that actually, you know, people are living and breathing it? Because that's really the time when you, you leverage it and you've got that one team operating and really driving, you know, that mm. ship in, in that direction, haven't you? Because otherwise it, it's just words on paper or, or whatever. And, you know, it's it's more than just yes. having it around the office. 100%. So you want to align your team to a vision, but it needs to be a vision. Well, a couple of things first. The vision needs to be clear, inspirational and communicated. Yeah. And you're right. Yeah, there's one thing having it on the wall, but there's another about how is that going to get me to move outside of my comfort zone so that when something happens today in the office, that I then need to take a different set of actions that maybe there's a sense of fear around or uncertainty, how yeah. ingrained or, or how engaged am I to move mountains <laughs> for me? to actually go outside of my comfort zone to do that. And that that's yeah. the difference. You're absolutely right. So the yeah. vision needs to have be clear, first of all, but it does need to move mountains. And as an individual, I need to feel like I'm part of that vision. So what yeah. is the role that I play within that company vision? Yeah. And yeah. that boils right down to my job, my responsibility, the actions that I take, the behaviors that I demonstrate in that business mm. yeah. so that we can make sure that when a challenge or a situation arises in my day to day, which we know it's going to for every single Absolutely. person, Absolutely. I have, you know, I have those principles and those values that I can then automatically, I tap into to say, okay, this has just happened. So, how am I going to respond to this? What yeah. is it that I'm going to do? What are the behaviors that I'm going to lead from? And so you want the, the values to cascade into people's role and responsibility and then the how in which they do the actions within that role and responsibility. Yeah. So, I mean, to give an example of, of how this can work, if somebody then has, let's say, a monthly or maybe they have an appraisal system or they have a monthly meeting or even just their one-to-one -one with their um, line manager. It's, okay, what are the behaviors that I'm going to be monitored and measured against? Mm. So back in the day in, in, in Aspire, just to explain this in a context, because it's probably the best way to do it, um, we used to have values and those values 
underpinned every single action that we took. So if there was a situation in, you know, how do I interview that candidate? I would be employing my values into how I actually went about interviewing that candidate and the way in which I did it. So we used to have a saying, you know, cut somebody in half and they'll bleed, you know, aspire. And that was because the culture, you know, it was so ingrained in people in the way in which we did everything. Yes. Yeah. And it just makes it so much easier for that leader to manage performance, but also to support people to really take the action that's required. Because in the marketplace today, you know, certainly in the world of recruitment, nothing is easy, is it? It, I mean, it can be simple, but it's not easy. Yes, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, something that, you know, we, we've both sort of talked about before is, you know, it, it's an incredibly competitive marketplace. And yes. you know, I think one of the common things that people say to us, you know, I guess from, with a marketing hat on is, you know, I want to stand out. I want to be different, but we're all recruitment companies. So, you know, we're all doing the same thing. Well, actually, my experience, you know, over the years is no, they're not all doing the same things. They're not all operating in the same way. And actually putting that work in to have that clarity and putting those foundations in place and and coming at it from a values point of view and living it in terms of how you offer your service and the experience that clients and candidates have, actually that is part and parcel of being able to you know, stand out and position yourself quite differently in the market. I mean, that, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are, you know, yeah. from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, 100%, I totally agree with you. You know, one of the things that is so important for an organization to understand is their customer base, isn't it? Because mm. if I'm going to cut through the noise of what is out there in the market today, which is this constant interaction 24-7 of people, yeah. you know, promoting themselves to you. Let's just look at what happens on on LinkedIn. You've got to have a message. You've got to have a voice that is going to cut through that noise, but also speak directly to your avatar. So to do that, we've got to get in the head of our avatar and we have to understand the pain points and the desires of the avatar so that we can really get our marketing and our messaging and our actions and our behaviors to speak to those pain points directly because then it makes it very easy for that avatar to say hey do you know what Sharon you're the person that I want to come to because you understand what it is that I'm going through and so it makes it easy for me to choose you yes no absolutely and you know and I suppose as we as we think about teams, there are all different kinds of characters, personalities, and talents within a team, Katie, aren't there? And so if you're a leader with, you know, this, this wonderful kind of like mix of individuals, you know, what are some of the other elements, let's say, that, that you can do to, to harness those individuals so that they, they perform as individuals, but they, they obviously can come together as a team? Yeah, so it's breaking it down. You've got the team and the team working as one, but then you're right, within those parts are individuals that have their own super strengths. So we want to identify 
where those people's strengths are. So what is it that they're actually naturally really good at? We have a saying, we call it being in flow. So where is it that those people are in flow? What are their super strengths? And how are we harvesting those super strengths for, you know, 70% of the time so that we can get greatest productivity? But also they're things that people love because they give them energy. So if I'm doing a task that gives me energy and I love, what do we know? We're going to get amazing results. Yeah. So, I mean, Nikki and I, as you know, are not, we're very much about rest in peace, the 360 model, and about playing your, having your team, your superstar strikers, midfielders, you know, and, and defense in the right positions, right Close. people, right roles yeah. to really ex- accelerate the performance of that business. Yeah. Because Often what happens in recruitment is people tend to think, oh, I need to get ev- I need to get one person to do all parts of that role. But yeah. the reality is they can't be a super striker and then run to midfield and then run to be in goal mm. um, without getting tired, worn out, and also not enjoying the job. Plus, yeah. they're not great in all those areas. So yeah. if we really want to use our people to their best ability and in an energized way, then we want to be thinking about what those super strengths are and playing them specifically in those areas because yes. it actually multiplies productivity yeah. by up to 10 times. And we see yeah. this with our clients all the time. Yeah. I was just going to say to, you know, for people to identify what they're best at, but also one of the other things for a team is to actually think in that way and to get an understanding from a mindset point of view of when we're playing at our best, what does that look like? And what behaviors do we bring and what actions do we take? But also we can self-sabotage that because, you know, I know that mindset for people is actually what often holds people back from taking the action. It's not always the action itself. It's actually about how I perceive that action or what I'm concerned about if I take that action. Yeah. Because there's two reasons why people don't take an action. It's either I don't know why, because I don't know what the benefit of me taking that action is, or I don't have the skills. I don't know how I'm going to do that. Yeah. So there are two things that as a leader, you have to get really curious about and good at, because one is about helping somebody overcome those emotional states that self-sabotage and stop me. Like, yeah. I want to play outside my comfort zone, but how do I do that if my if I've got limiting beliefs in the way? And yeah. then am I skilled? You know, have I got the skills that I need to do that job? Yeah. Yeah. So sorting out the mindset in order that to then actually apply the skill. And if they if they've got the skill, fantastic. Yes. If not, then then we enhance that skill. We give that skill and we enhance it. But actually, whether you've got the skill or not, if the mindset piece isn't there, if the fear of stepping outside their comfort zone, if the fear of, of, of failure, the classic, the fear of failure, you know, well, what, what, if, what if it doesn't work? Well, there's no right or wrong, is there? It's just like, well, when you do it that way, it's not going to work that way. So how else do we do it? You know, but you're right. That, that yes, piece because is- 
Yeah, we often find when people come to us, if people have teams at that point, because, you know, some of our clients will be one person or there might be one with a support. And then some of our clients will have maybe, a, you know, a couple of people in their team. We generally work with most of our clients are, are under a 10 headcount. But let's say they've, they've got a small, small team there. And this could be happening for them as a business owner is they get it. They understand the logic of why, you know, why do I need to take that action? I understand it. And yet something is stopping me from doing that. But if yeah. we could remove that for you and you can start to take an action, action precedes clarity. So what I mean by that is if we just start taking an action, exactly as you said, Sharon, it doesn't have to be the perfect action. It does not mm. always have to be exactly right. But even if we take an action, we're moving forward. And then yeah. we're getting feedback on the actions that we're taking so we can course correct to make it better. So, yeah. And these are things that really hold people back. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, are there are there any... I know there are some specific sort of tools, I guess, that, that you've got experience using. But what if someone was, you know, starting out on that journey of you know, looking at how do they begin to find out what what their individual strengths of team members are and what might be in their, you know, that their, their flow, as I know that you guys call it, you know, what kind yeah. of tools should people look to to, to start that – that's accessible and easy, let's say, because there's lots, aren't there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I mean, we have a profiling tool that we use with our clients. And there is a way in which you could get an understanding of that. It might not be 100% yeah. as accurate, but you could get an yeah. understanding of that yourself. So the question to ask yourself is exactly that. What are the, the three top activities that I enjoy the most, that give me energy and that have a high value to my organization. Right. So what yeah. are the things that I love doing and they get a high return for the, organ for, for the organization that I'm in? Yeah. So if it was your team, you'd be thinking, okay, so where do they get, you know, where are they most successful? What are the types of tasks that they do? And it's, yeah, there are different energies required, let's say, for business development versus resourcing of candidates. Yeah. So if you were to look at, yeah, what are the energies that are needed for business development? It's going to be, you know, high energy, more extrovert, but you don't even necessarily need to worry as much about that. It's more, is somebody more in flow doing that activity and do they get a good yeah. result versus somebody who perhaps is more attention to detail, likes working to a process, and actually is really good at finding a unicorn candidate on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. Because they are the, the, you know, the polar yeah. opposites. Yeah. So if you start yeah. to think about what gives me energy and what am I good at, that's going to give you a sense of what your super strengths are. So yeah. what is it, if you think about those strengths, yeah, what is it that I'm really good at? You know, when do I achieve and what are the tasks that I do when I'm achieving? Yeah. And, and, and I guess there's, there's, there's a flip, isn't there, that, that's the obvious of and, and what, what do I find draining? Because that's, that's kind of an obvious thing to kind yes. of look at. Well, OK, what, what do I do less of? Now, something that I just want to ask you on, on this, actually, around the conversation around, you know, 
working to your strengths and being in flow is that something that you said before yeah. you went into detail on that was that this is about 70 30 yes and so do you mean that it's about you know playing to your strengths 70 percent of the time and then recognizing that actually 30 percent of the time there are going to be things that you know they might not sort of like you know float your boat and get you so excited and there are things that need doing because I know perhaps in in some of the profiling tools that, that I've used, you know, with my leadership happening in the past, it's really super easy. And I'm sure you've seen this where people kind of like, you know, label themselves as, well, I'm this. So then I only do this. Uh-huh. Which, so I don't know if you could just speak into that for people that are listening so they get a real clear message. Yes. Yes, and it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because there's always going to be certain things that actually we have to do, and they're not always going to be in our flow zone. Yeah. However, exactly that, you actually want to be playing or working in your flow zone for 70% of the time, but it's okay not to be for 30% of the time. Right. Because, you know, for example – I might say, well, look, you know, me looking at at reports or figures or numbers is not where I'm most in flow. And yet, actually, there's still a part of that that I have to do in my role. Yeah. But if we're working in our flow zone for 70 percent, we're generating energy rather than sapping energy. So it means we can work out of our flow for 30 percent and still get good productivity on those types of tasks. Got you. Yeah, no, that kind of like, that makes sense. That makes sense. And let's say, obviously, as people, they're putting the things in place that that you've been sharing with us today. And, you know, we we both know, having worked with teams for many years, that people will kind of like, you know, they will get promoted, people will come and go, they will leave for other opportunities. And and so you might have a situation where, you, you know, as an owner, and a director, you've invested a huge amount of energy and time in developing people. And it, it, it's cyclical, isn't it? It's the natural thing that's going to happen. And yet, how do we begin to think about putting things in place that can future-proof, let's say, so that things don't have a massive impact and and set you back too far when some of the natural things that happen in business happen. I mean, none of us can plan for COVID, can we? However, there are things that potentially we can plan for. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I I would agree. And so we want to, one one of the the areas that can get missed, if you like, or sort of slightly flexed over it goes back to this what's my role and my responsibilities and do I understand the clear expectations of me by my manager and then what Mm. does good look like so what I mean by that is there has to be some form of measurement for me to understand when I'm performing at my best versus when I'm not Not. and I know that yeah that there are um, some recruitment business owners may have experienced in the past being beaten over the head by KPIs or been in um, an environment that maybe wasn't, didn't have that extraordinary culture and actually didn't have the right values or behaviors. 
And mm. so in which case they used KPIs in a negative way. And right. what happens is they say, I'm going to start a recruiting business tomorrow and I am not using all that KPI, you know, stuff. I'm going to create this amazing culture and I'm going to do it through empowerment and, and so on. Now, that's okay, and that can work to a certain degree. But what it won't do is support people in your organization to go outside of their comfort zone, but also to level up. Because if I'm playing in a team, I have to know what great looks like. Yeah. And that means I need measurement. And that needs to be explained explicitly to me so that I can see and experience and understand that. So yeah. you've got to have something to benchmark it against. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't have, you know, light and day, no. et cetera. Yeah. So we have to make sure that we put this, and this can be in people's role, responsibility. They have a measurement, but they actually understand the importance of that role and what they need to do to deliver that within the organization. And that can be promotional criteria, too. Yeah. But it is very important that people have that understanding. So actually, you know, key success factors, whatever you want to call them, numbers are important in a business because it creates accountability and it gives people something to strive and perform, you know, over and above. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I had to smile when you mentioned about, you know, that, you know, people kind of like leave organizations and think, you know what, I, I I've had my time with KPIs. I'm going to do it differently because I was that person many, many years ago thinking, oh, you know, I've had enough of corporate, (laughs) kind of like, you know, being everything monitored and measured. And yet I did very quickly realize that there's a reason why some of these big corporate organizations are super successful because they have amazing systems and processes they're good at getting people to follow them. And you know what? I was successful because I followed them, Katie. So That's right. why would I not want to then go and replicate that? You know, so, but yeah, I, I think yeah. It sometimes it's that you kind of like, you know, you, you, you sort of like you want to cast off all the all the the past without realizing there's a lot in that past that actually contributes towards you being really successful. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I do smile when I that is so KPS. And you're right, you know, people need yeah, to have yeah. and something to aspire to and, 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 and to know how will they know when they've got there. Well, if we don't measure it, we won't know, will we? Exactly. Exactly. And, and you touched on a really interesting subject there as well, Sharon, which is about processes and systems. And it's interesting because a big part of what we help our clients to do is to actually create systems within their recruitment business that give certainty, that give consistency, that give you know accountability, but, but actually develop and accelerate results. Because yeah. business owners who start their own business have so much, like they're giving seven-star service. What they do, they are absolutely top of their game at. That's why they want to start their own business. Where they get stuck is then how do I take that out of my head and put that into systems and processes that can be replicated in my business so that I can then pop people on top of that system and it is going to work. So I have a hands-off business that if I wanted to, I don't have to be working 24-7, getting sucked in 
and making yeah. all the key decisions. The systems actually do the heavy lifting for me and they yeah. run our process. And yeah. you've hit on something so important there because that's one of the biggest differences to actually creating a business that can either be sold, the business owner doesn't have to work 24-7, or that you could just even simply go on holiday and not be having to take the calls, getting sucked yeah. back into work, but also having, you know, having that headspace and time to spend with your family. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you were to summarize, let's say, three key things that anybody listening, if they're looking to begin to really kind of like, you know, accelerate that growth and scaling of, of their business, because we work with very similar clients, kind of like, you know, under, under 10, don't we? What would be the three key things that you would say, you know, do this, do this, do this, and you're on the path? Sorry to put you on the spot. There's, there's three things that the, I'm going to call them the three P's in any business. Your processes, your people, your profit. Yeah. And you have to have, because you've got to have people and processes to create the profit. So, but the first thing you need is a process to then hire a person to follow that process. That process, nice. you've hired Thank that you. person, they yeah. then create the profit, yeah, which means I then have more money to invest back into the next process that I can then hire more people for to create more profit. So yeah. the first thing that I would say is, are you working in your strength? Because there's a really great quote by a guy called Dan Martel, which is, you don't hire to, you don't hire to grow your business. You hire to buy back your time. Love it. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. So you don't hire to, to grow, you hire to buy back to your time. Because actually, our time is more valuable than money. So if we can make sure that we're spending 70% of our time in our super strengths, we will generate 10, 20, it can be up to 100 times more profit for our business yeah. than if we're changing, you know, doing, I don't know, credit control or something else. Yeah. But we can hire people into those positions around us that probably take a quarter of our hourly rate, yeah. what we could generate in that hour to actually do that process. So yeah. that's actually how you scale. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Lovely. Very succinct. Well done. So I don't know if that's answered that. Yeah, no, absolutely it is. Listen, <laughs> I don't know. I, I could sit here. Succinct. I could sit here <laughs> questions away all afternoon, but some real gems there for people to take away. And and, and thank you for for joining us here. And yeah, maybe we'll have you back again oh, at some point. point. Um, we can talk further. But listen, thank uh, you, Katie. Thank really you. appreciate your thoughts and, and ideas and some real great great value there for listeners. So we'll talk soon. Oh, thank you, Sharon. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. You're welcome. If you enjoy this podcast and this year you are ready to take your marketing to the next level, then check out Superfast Circle. This is a unique marketing program designed specifically for recruiters and their marketeers. You get access to two virtual marketing directors. You get consultancy. You get your hand held through the whole process, training, consulting, 
and we provide content resources. So go over to superfastrecruitment.co.uk forward slash join and check out what's available.